2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. It's just this one verse. Now the Lord is that Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, okay? And where the, Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Lord gives liberty. Where Christ is, there's liberty. It's liberty in Jesus. Okay, it's liberty by faith in Jesus Christ. There could be people that just stay bound up and the Lord walks among them and yet they stay bound up in whatever the bondage is, sin or whatever it may be, and they don't have to be. But it's by faith that we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we're delivered and set free. But it says, now the Lord is that Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's liberty in Christ. There's liberty through Christ. If you have lost uh, loved ones, don't know the Lord and you're praying for them, it's not going to come some other way. It's going to come through faith in Jesus Christ. You have uh, friends and family and loved ones or people you're praying for that are addicted to uh, alcohol, drugs, pornography, some type of addiction in their life, whatever it may be. There's liberty in Christ. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. It's liberty in Jesus, by Jesus, through Jesus, His power to deliver, listen y'all, from all things, from all bondage. He has the power to deliver. It's nothing for the Lord. And I say that all the time. When I think about that scripture, I quote it all the time. You know it. But Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, in the, last, in the Great Commission, when He sent His disciples out uh, to go and take this Gospel into the whole world, He says, uh, all power is given unto Me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all men. Well, there's the correlation between all power given unto Christ and us going in His name. Okay? There's deliverance. There's power in the name of Jesus for those that know the Lord and walk with the Lord. And so every type of bondage that a man could be in, Jesus Christ has the power to deliver. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to wonder the Lord can do A, B, and C, but He couldn't do D. That we need different. We need scientific help here. We need medical help for this. And I'm not against science or medicine. I'm simply saying Christ has all power and the power to deliver men, men from every bondage. We need to believe that. We don't just need to hold it to our doctrinal statement. We need to believe that in our daily life as we go about and live this life. I believe that Peter and John believed it when they were walking to the, the gate, the temple to pray, and they were at the gate, and they were uh, beautiful, and there was a lame man laying there that had been lame since his birth. They believed it. They didn't just say it wasn't part of their doctrinal statement that Christ can do miracles. It wasn't part of their doctrinal, doctrinal statement only that the Lord could use us to do miracles. They believed it right then because they were walking in communion with the Lord. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They know this God and Savior. And they know that all power is given unto Him. And they said to the, to the lame man, look upon us in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And a man who had never walked before, not only walked, but he leapt up and began to praise God and went to the temple. He was delivered from what held him bound. And we need to believe it, y'all, and we need to proclaim it. We need to proclaim that message to others. This is the year of Jubilee. This is the year uh, the captive is set free, so to speak. And, and uh, there's liberty in Christ and all power in Christ to deliver men from all types of bondage. If you're here this morning and there's some type of bondage in your life, fear or worry or whatever it may be, some addiction uh, or stronghold in your life to sin or laziness or prayerlessness, whatever it may be, the Lord is that power and has that power to deliver. I want you, if you would, to turn with me to Luke chapter 13. 
Luke chapter 13. Read with me if you would, beginning in verse 10. Luke 13, verse 10. And He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together or bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, He called her to Him and said, Unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Similar to the two lame men, men that were healed. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. He's angry. Okay, this is an evil heart of unbelief. This is an evil heart of unbelief that should have known Christ when he came. Who should have known him? Of all people, the Jewish leaders should have known because all their scriptures foretold his coming, and all the prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. But it's an evil heart of unbelief. And he says he was filled with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work in them, therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Can you believe? I mean, this is his attitude in the synagogue that uh, this woman who's been bound 18 years instead of rejoicing and glorifying God like she did, he says, you know what? He broke the Sabbath law. There's six days men ought to be healed. Come on one of those days and be healed if you want to. Well, she had been bound up 18 years and never been healed by anybody in that synagogue. But Christ came. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all, all the glorious things which were done by him. Now that word bound, where he says, uh, this woman in verse 16, who's been, Satan has bound for these eighteen years, Okay, it's like he knew her whole story. I don't know if he'd ever met her, met her before, but he knew she had been bound 18 years. That word bound, it means to bind, to wind, to tie together, to knit. So you picture it's not just like laying a heavy burden on something. To be bound is like you're all intertangled with it and tied down by it. Okay, you tie your Christmas tree on the roof of your car. You don't want it to fly off, okay? So you're really putting these fancy knots on it or tie straps on it and tighten it down. And you don't want it to come loose. And uh, this is what this woman, she had been bound for 18 years, intertwined and twisted together with this infirmity by Satan for 18 years of her life. And she couldn't stand up straight. She was bowed over, okay? And couldn't stand up. And Satan had this hold upon her life. I don't necessarily think that every sin is necessarily uh, satanic in nature, but some are. And this one was, this infirmity, because Jesus pinpoints it and says, ought not this woman who has been the devil has bound for 18 years be loosed on the Sabbath day? And it was so easy for him to do it. I said, there's no effort, there's no problem. I was just reading this morning on my own in my Bible 
reading time at, at home before I came. Just happened to be reading in uh, where where uh, the name of the leper was healed, and his sir, he was so angry when Elijah didn't even come out and put his hands on him. And he said, he told his servant, "You go tell Elijah, I mean Naaman the leper, just go tell him to wash in the Jordan River seven times and he'll be clean." He was furious. He said, I thought for sure he would strike his hands together and lay his hands on that spot and recover me of my leprosy. I thought there would be a big to-do about it. I thought there would be a big religious kind of ceremony or some kind of something where he lifts up his voice and and looks very spiritual or something. He he assumed that. And he was going away mad. He was going to go back with leprosy back to uh, Syria. And he was furious. He said, I got cleaner water back in Damascus where I'm from. Can't believe he's just going to send me to Washington, the Jordan River. And his servant calms him down, praised the Lord, and said, Master, if he'd have asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much more if he just says, dip in the water and be clean? And he went and he did it. And the seventh time, he came up clean. Because it's not hard for the Lord. People walking with the Lord can be used by God in that, that way as well. And it was just amazing that this woman that was bound for 18 years set her free. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone can set the captive free. He alone can deliver men, as I said, from every type of bondage, from all that hold men, holds men captive. And there's a scripture, you don't have to turn to it, but I'll be quoting it from Psalm 68, 18, but it's also restated in Ephesians 4. It says, Thou hast ascended on high, that had, thou has led captivity captive. Really what that means, thou has set the captive free. It's just weird how it's phrased there. You have led the captive, captive to liberty or to freedom. And that is that comes through Christ alone. Uh, a man, uh, Jesus can help men in every way. Uh, morally, physically, from illnesses, financially, from paralysis, drug addiction. It doesn't matter what it is. We need to know that. As I said, and we need to believe that and proclaim it. Men with good intentions can work and work and strive, try to formulate plans on how to help this person overcome an addiction in their lives. And again, I'm not, uh, I'm not ridiculing that, but men can only do so much. And they often fail. I mean, a lot of people that are drug addicts, they go to rehab and they're still a drug addict. They, they take a medicine and they're still sick. They're addicted to this or bound to that. And man does all that they can do. And there's a lot of effort and a lot of money, a lot of thought that goes into trying to set men free from different types of bondage that hold them. And yet the Lord can just do it in a moment. This woman was bound 18 years. The Lord touches her. She's set free. It's just nothing for the Lord. The man's got leprosy. He obeys the Lord, the man of God, and he's healed. Except there's nobody that could have healed that man of leprosy. That's a, that's a disease that just rots your flesh away and you finally die from it. You're consumed of it. And, uh, and yet the Lord can do it in a moment. I'm just going to name some of these. There are hearts and thoughts, I pray this morning, would be upon the Lord and we would understand His great power to deliver and set men free. Just like we heard in Clarissa's testimony. She was delivered from depression. She was delivered from addiction to prescription drugs. She didn't want to wake up. When she did wake up, she wanted to go back to sleep. She had to take a pill to go to sleep. Had to take a pill to wake up, she said. 
That's not a way to live. For anybody to live. Somebody, especially as young as she was at that time of her life. And she could still be gripped in that, y'all. If the Lord had not set her free. No withdrawal symptoms from coming off the medicines or anything like that. Again, I don't... I'm not laughing at men with good intentions that try to help other people. I'm simply saying that the Lord steps in. He can do it in a moment and set the captive free. And we need to set all that other stuff aside and just go to the Lord with childlike faith and put our faith in Him. A woman bound 18 years in infirmity. A blind man who never saw in John chapter 9 that the Lord touched him and he could see. Ten men dying of leprosy. That he did, didn't even touch him. He said, go your way and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. A sinner from the slavery of sin. An alcoholic from the bondage of alcohol. Sherry shared some of that in Sunday school when she shared in her own life. A woman drowning in depression and helplessness. And the Lord in hopelessness. And the Lord delivers him and sets him free. Still today, the Lord's doing it. Don't think this is just Bible stories. Don't think that the, if we do, we all just all go home. We seriously ought to pack up this sound equipment and fold up our chairs, give everybody their money back, and we ought to go home. If we think this is just historical accounts and this is just some God of the past who's not the God of the present, who's not literally the Alpha and the Omega, and we're living in here somewhere in Christ, then we ought to go home. I ought to go home. And I've told you many times before myself, I'll say it to the young people here, and I'll say it to myself, when I was compromising and wishy-washy uh, in my faith with the Lord, then the Lord got hold of me and I surrendered all to the Lord. And I have not looked back. Not one time. And if I look back, then, and if I don't believe this stuff, I'm going fishing. Okay? Because I love to fish. And I never have time to go fishing. I rarely have time to go. But if none of this is true, then I'm going. Okay? Because this is a big old waste of time. And I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry like it says that the believers do because tomorrow we're going to die. You know, it's all, it means nothing. But if it is true, then it's worth everything. If it is true, it's worth everything. And He can do every single thing He says in the Bible. It's either all true or none of it's true. And this part of dissecting the Bible and picking out which parts you want to hold to and agree with and love and cherish and believe and the parts you don't believe because it's not doesn't fit with the theory of evolution or doesn't fit with this or doesn't fit with the educated society in the 21st century. I believe this or I don't like this or my conception of God is not that so I don't want to believe that part of the Bible. Then forget it. You're either going to take it all and believe it all and the one who gave it to us or we're not. It's not our prerogative, our right to cherry pick and create our own religion out of Christianity or our own God that we worship out of the Bible, we worship the God of the Bible. Like we talked about Wednesday night, the Lord's testimony of His Son. Remember? 1 John 5. The Lord gave a record of His Son. Believe that record. And His, His record of His Son said that He's God in the flesh. His record says that all power is given unto Him in heaven and in earth. His record said He's Jehovah Rapha, the healer. He's the Savior. He's the righteous judge. The Lord our righteousness. His Word says that so you and I need to believe it. You're going to run into situations in your life probably today where you need the deliverance of the Lord or somebody you know needs the power of God, the miracle working power of God. And it can't just be a story. It has to be reality 
where's the God of Elijah? And Elisha smites that mantle after Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. And now he's there. And he's the one that God has to be the prophet. And he says, where's the God of Elijah? Because if not, I'm going back. I'll just join the school of prophets and be an ordinary Christian like, the, like these other guys. But he smote the water with the mantle of Elijah and the water parted. There we go. Okay? Same God. Now the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And so uh, he walked in that power as well. But we see men who are in wheelchairs today being healed that will believe they're being raised up and, and, and they can walk. We're seeing men and women filled with hate and bitterness all their lives being set free from their, business, their bitterness and hate. We see bodies that are ridden with cancer, right? In our own church. And God heals them of their cancer because the Lord's that Spirit. And when the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. The focus is on Jesus Christ. It's not on the religious technique like I said, slapping the hands together like Naaman thought for sure Elisha was going to do. Same kind of thing goes on in our day. I've got to get to uh, this uh, revival service over here in Brownsville or I've got to get to that author of that book to be healed. No, we've got to get to Jesus. That's by faith in Him. And we don't need a big hierarchy or something like that. We don't need a big religious display. Uh, we need to call upon the Lord by faith and let Him touch us. The focus is on Christ. It's not on a method. It's not on a technique. It's not on a certain church with a certain sign on its door. It's on Jesus Christ. And of course, the people of God that walk with the Lord and believe in Him. He can heal even those that don't come to Him by faith. You know, he, there's a lot of people He healed in the Bible, for example, and set free from bondages of sickness and sin and blindness. Only one of those lepers that was healed of the ten, came back to glorify God and, and thank Him. He still has the power to set men free, but I was thinking, if He can set uh, an unbeliever free who is never going to come to Him, he, he healed a lot of people, not only that didn't come to Him, but He knew we were never going to come to Him. He spoke words of life and truth to the, the rich young ruler who, he, who knew, because He knew all things, was not going to come to Him. It says that Jesus loved Him. The Bible says He loved them. He's kind and good and does miracles for people that aren't going to come to Him. And I thought about how much more does He do for those that are His own children? The blood-bought saints of God who are His sons and daughters and walk with Him. And I want you to read with me in the Bible. We're going to read kind of a, a long passage in Luke chapter 8. This, this account is given in three of the four Gospels. And it's almost the same in every one. You pick up a little, you glean a little bit uh, more information, I guess, from each of the three accounts when you read them. But for time's sake today, we're going to read from Luke chapter 8, start in uh, verse 26. It says, Luke 8, 26, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. So they went on a boat and crossed over. And when they went forth to land... There met him out of the city a certain man which had devils, plural, long time, and wear no clothes. So just picture this scene. This is what the scene's like when he walks up. He knew what was going on and what was going to go on, but still he walked it out and lived it out day by day. This man had, had demons or devils long time, 
wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. So he's living in the tombs. That might have been caves and things like that in the graveyard, okay? When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? They never were formally introduced, by the way. The demons knew who Jesus was. Okay, the Bible says in James, the devils believe and tremble doesn't mean they're saved. It means they understand his authority and who he is. They know him. Okay, I beseech thou son of God, most high, I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirits, Christ had to come out of the man. For oftentimes it or the demons had caught him uh, and and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. And he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. So men tried to tame him. Men, and I talked about men trying to help. Maybe they had good intentions. Maybe they were beyond good intentions. They said, forget trying to help him. We just got to keep him away. We're scared of him. Or he might hurt somebody. And, and, and they just want to keep him away. But he says he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him. The devils are now speaking to the Lord. They're beseeching Jesus that he would not command them to go into the deep or the abyss or this, uh, this empty uh, place of torment. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. And he... And then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked or they drowned. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also, which saw it, told them by what means that he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country, the Gadarenes, round about, besought him to depart. They're asking Jesus to, to, to leave. Depart from them. For they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might go be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. That's a wonderful story. It's an amazing story. I know you've heard it before. I know it's very familiar to you. But when I read it, I see the compassion of the Lord. You know, we've probably seen in our lifetimes people that have been demon-possessed or people that were lunatic and out of their minds. And you really... It makes, us, it makes you very uncomfortable to be around someone like that. It's not normal. You know it's not normal. You feel like you're a little out of your league, out of your element, so to speak. And, but Jesus came. He wasn't troubled by it. In the sense that, uh, he's, you know, like this was an extra big problem or he just wanted to get away. He had compassion on the man. And when he was finished, he said, now you go tell people what great things God has done for you. 
when he was through with them, and this all happened in just moments probably, uh, or a few minutes, the man, uh, the man wanted to be with Jesus. He wanted to be with Him. Jesus is getting ready to go on a boat or walk to another place maybe. And He says, can I go with you, Lord? Can I go with you? I mean, He wanted to be with Him. And, and the Lord says, no, you go tell others. You go testify the goodness of God and the power of God and what great things the Lord has done to deliver the man from these chains of darkness. It was chains of Satan. It was chains of our enemy, our adversary, the devil, that had this man bound. I've often thought, do you think, I mean, all of these Hollywood movies and music, a lot of it glorifies this demonic type of activity. They do it with children's books now, and they, you know, spin it in a, ch a child's way, children kind of way. But the, the world, the God of this world, glorifies that. It makes it look so intriguing and mysterious or... Uh, Powerful. This is a way to have power, or it's cool, or this is. It's nothing cool about it. It is nothing glorious about it. The man, uh, if we live, in, we read in the other gospel accounts, he lived in a graveyard. This was his life. It was not a movie. It wasn't a, a Harry Potter book. It was his life. The Bible says he was in torment. He probably didn't eat. You know, no telling what he ate. He, he, he was naked. Men aren't supposed to live that way. He's running around naked in a graveyard and living that way. And he's crying day and night. These demons have him tormented. And he's crying out day and night. There's nothing glorious about it. There's, you know, like I said, the, the, the way it's presented is just a clever scheme of the devil. Nothing glorious about it at all. He's naked. He, uh, men tried to tame him. It says in the, uh, some of the other Gospels that neither could any man tame him. Like you would take a, a tiger, a lion, or a bear or something and try to tame this wild animal to behave itself. You know, it's still a wild animal, but I've got it under control like the lion tamer. They couldn't tame this man. They put chains on him sometime where they would probably muster up the strength to bind him and he would break the chains. And the devil would drive him back out to the wilderness. Nothing glorious and beautiful or, or, or mysterious or anything about that. It's dark. It's insanity. It's torment. It's, he's, every moment was torment. And he just had no hope of being set free. Now, obviously, he had given himself over to this. The demon doesn't just possess somebody unwillingly. But steps of sin in his life had led to this. And he was in this condition. But the Lord set him free. He set him free from the power of Satan. He set him free from the power of darkness. Uh, he freed him up. And I love it where it says, one of my favorite scripture, and it's in all three of these, is in verse, uh, all three of the gospel accounts in verse 35. It says, they came out and they saw the man who had been demon-possessed um, clothed and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Verse 35. 33 and uh, that just shows everything uh, a total 180 It's putting things taking things wrong and making them right just in a moment wait this is the guy looks a lot better cleaned up and enclosed his face looks better he's got peace in his eyes now how did that happen Amen. he's not a, a rehab program 
You see what I'm saying? The, the, the attempts of men, even well-intentioned men, would come short. They would never be able to do what Jesus did and is still doing today for men. He's clothed. He's sitting down at the feet of Jesus. That's the most sensible place to be. At the feet of Jesus, hearing his word like Mary, right? And so everything's set right. From his emotions, his mind, his body, everything is set right. Spiritually, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus and he wants to go with him. And he's still go. You go back and publish what God's done. I got something better for you to do. Maybe Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go tell people what God's done for you. And it says he went and did it. That's in his right mind. He's glorifying God. They might have believed and not believed, but he was standing there healed. What could they say? Okay? And so, it's just an amazing thing. And I want to read this. This is what the Lord has to do. When the Lord called Saul of Tarsus and saved him and made him Paul, he had a very specific call in his life. We get to know more about his life and calling probably than just about any New Testament figure, right? Specifically, all the way through his salvation, through his death uh, in Rome. But uh, the, when he's recounting before uh, Felix, uh, before Agrippa, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 26, he's given, he's given his testimony, saying what the Lord spoke to him. He says he was called by Jesus to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Now he's called to do this. All right? Jesus has this power, but the Lord's called Saul of Tarsus now to do it. You turn them from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And so the Lord is still doing that. He didn't quit when the Bible quit. He didn't quit when Jesus went up to heaven. He didn't quit when the Bible technically ended uh, with the last apostle dying out or anything like that. The Lord's the same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is still setting men free. Okay? Now, the greatest deliverance by far is for the Lord to deliver a man from his sin. Like I said, people were healed of leprosy and still died in their sin and went to hell. But the greatest deliverance, and it's also the greatest need of mankind, is to be delivered and set free from the power of sin in our lives. And the Lord can do that. He says, by faith it is in me. That's what He told Paul. And so, there's that song that we sing. I will sing of my Redeemer. Right? Who, he who shed His blood for me. And uh, I was purchased. I was pardoned. And it says, bound to Him, I'm truly free. So we're talking about bondage, but then being set free. But bound to Christ, we're truly free. The true liberty that comes to a man uh, is when his soul is saved. True liberty comes to a man when his soul is set free and liberated from the power and sin of darkness. That's the true liberty and the greatest liberty. And it comes when our life is bound together with Christ. Uh, by faith in Him, we're washed from our sin, we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and we're freed from sin's power. Look, they got a lot of young people in here, and I know that some of our children here, and your children, were saved at a young age. My children were saved at a young age. They didn't have a lifetime of indulging in sin and plunging into sin and darkness. But nevertheless, they were sinners who needed a Savior. Just as much a sinner. Didn't have as long a period, or maybe the depth of their sin, not as long and, 
and uh, you know, as I said, indulged in. But everyone that's saved from their sin was a sinner that needed to be saved from sin, washed in the blood of Jesus. All of our young people that are now Christians, they were saved from sin's judgment and hell, just like us that were saved maybe later in life. Uh, there's a power to sin. There's a deceitfulness of sin. We've been set free from it. And then, y'all, the saved man, after he's set free from sin, has, has now the calling of God upon our lives to yoke our, be yoked together with Christ and to walk with Him. And we've talked a lot about that. And I would say in the last, I don't know, four or five or six weeks, almost all the messages on Sunday mornings have been along that lines, having to do with our walk with God. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us Amen. from all sin. So having been set free from sin, which is a miracle and huge and forgiven and we're saved, then the Lord has called us now, okay, you were bound to sin and in darkness. Now, you're not just set free for, to be free and now choose your own course through life. You know, that, that man that was demon-possessed in the tombs, he, he wasn't just set free from a legion of demons and then said, okay, you know, eat, drink, and be merry and run off your own way. He wanted to be with Jesus. Alright? So we're set free from the power of sin, but the very next breath is to be yoked together with Christ. If I'm going to be bound to anything, and I am, I want to be bound to Christ. Not just set free and then go back like a dog to his vomit. Because that's where we'd end up if not yoked to Christ. He could do a great miracle in our lives and we could end up right back there where we were and even worse. And doesn't the Bible say that? Now, not specifically about demon possession, but Jesus said when a spirit's cast out, a demonic spirit is cast out, he'll, he'll go around and he'll, he'll come back and he'll say, hey, he finds the, the place where he left, which would be the life of a person, swept and garnished and all cleaned up and nice and everything in its proper place. But it's not that life is not filled with Christ or the Holy Ghost or faith in Jesus. He says he's going to come back and he'll bring others with him. And it'll, it'll be the, the last state of that man will be worse than the first day. Now, that is a teaching from the scripture. Again, I know it's speaking about demon possession, but I do know that when someone is set free from sin or a bondage in their life, they better follow it up. And if you're the one praying with them or talking to them or witnessing to them, you better quickly you know, impress upon them the need to, to, to be consumed with Christ, to be filled with the Lord, to be committed to Christ, to walk with Christ. It's one or the other. There's not an in-between. They were set free from the power of darkness, and it says that the Lord wants them to be set from the, free from the power of darkness to this uh, glorious liberty that's in Christ. It's one or the other. And that's where He wants us to walk and to stay. And so the way that that's going to happen, y'all, as, we, as we're, we're bound in sin before the Lord set us free, to now be bound to Christ. It's not like we wave to Him and say, thank You, Lord, for setting me free. That was very kind. No, we're going to cling to Him. We're going to be hanging on to Jesus. Okay? All throughout our lives. And we know the Scripture... We talk about it all the time in Matthew 11 where Jesus says, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart and you'll find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But He is saying that we'll be yoked together with Him. 
That is what He's called us to do. He doesn't just dispense good things to us apart from Himself. It's a faith in Christ and we're yoked together in Christ. Bound to Him, I'm truly free. That does make perfect sense, doesn't it? From that song. He set me free. He took the nails for me. We sing the song. But bound to Him, I'm truly free. And that's where the Lord wants us to stay. And that's where we need to stay. And I was thinking about this Scripture. You don't have to turn there. But in Genesis chapter 44, there's an account of you know, where Joseph was sold as a slave. And he grows up and eventually becomes prime minister in Egypt. And after many years, his brothers come to him because they need food. And they come to Egypt and they bow before him. They don't even realize it's him. But long story short, um, the Bible says that Judah was speaking about Jacob and Benjamin and the relationship that they had. Benjamin was the youngest son that, that Jacob had had after Joseph had been taken. It says, um, Jacob says, I can't bring Benjamin here. My father's just going to, if I take him away, uh, my dad's just going to die. He's the youngest son. He's the apple of my dad's eye. And, and uh, he says, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life. And I thought about that little phrase. And I don't know how the Lord just had brought it to my remembrance. Jacob's life, according to Judah, was bound up in Benjamin's life. They were twisted together. They were entwined together. Like we talked about that definition of binding. But that's how our life is to be with Christ. Seeing that his life is bound up with the lad's life, his son's life. We ought to be bound, so bound up with Jesus. Uh, Clendenin used to say, I want to be so filled with the Lord that if I'm pressed in the corner, all that comes out is Jesus. All that oozes out of me would be Jesus. Our life bound up with the Lord. So filled with Him. And that's where and how the child of God is not only going to have liberty, but experience that liberty and freedom. To walk in it day by day. There's a lot of people that were saved and set free gloriously and even you know, miraculously saved. And at some point in their life, they've drifted way back and they're looking back and saying, I long for the good old days when Jesus first saved me. Well, they didn't ever have to walk away from that. And they certainly can come back to that. Okay, But the point is that if I'm going to experience this liberty, freedom from darkness and sin and all these things in my life, strongholds and oppressions and depression and things like that, it's going to be as my life is bound up with the Lord, as I'm yoked with Him and walking with Him. The Bible says uh, that we are to stand, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's saying a lot right there. He includes himself with that. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We're to be yoked with Christ, not the yoke of bondage. In that case, he was speaking to the Galatians and the yoke of bondage was they were going under uh, Judaism. They were being brought under the, the, the erroneous teachings of the Judaizers. They told them they had to now keep the law perfectly. They were going to make it to heaven and be saved and be righteous before God. And it was a lie. And they believed it. And they shouldn't have. And they were being tempted to go back under that. Um, but we're not just to be set free and then wander around through life. We're to be set free and, and, and walk in, in the liberty of the Lord. Now the Lord is that Spirit. Well, that, that means that's where I need to stay. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's, there's freedom, y'all, from dead works. 
These Galatians went back onto that. A system, a religious system of dead works. Uh, there's freedom from sin. There's freedom from the works of the flesh. There's freedom that God gives us from shame and guilt over sin and sins we've committed. You know, you can really be set free from that. We've all been terribly ashamed of things we've said and done and thought, even since we've been Christians. And God sets us free from that, from guilt, from pride, from the judgment of God. We're free now from those things. We're free to serve the Lord. We're free to, to walk in the Spirit of God. We're free to know the Lord more than we knew Him the day we got saved. That's freedom for us. It's out there. In other words, it's, it's an opportunity. It's, it's part of our future. I always say it's an exciting part of my future is that where I am in Christ now is not the limit, so to speak, of where I can be in my intimacy with the Lord, in my personal worship life, in my ministry, in my prayer life. And, and you understand what I'm saying? There's more ground to take in Christ. We're free to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Uh, we're, we're free to sleep well at night and not be tormented by sins of our past or, or the devil. We're free to enter into the Lord's heaven one day and not just enter into His heaven one day by the skin of our teeth. You and I, and this is why we're provoking one another to love and good works even today, we want to enter into heaven uh, with a full reward. I'm free to do that. That's before me. There's nothing stopping me from serving God 1,000% and finishing my course just like the Apostle Paul. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. You understand what I'm saying? I, I did everything. Here's what God gave me for my life. And I wasn't perfect. And along the way I sinned and I asked God to forgive me. But from here to there, I finished what God called me to do. I finished my course. I'm getting ready to go home and be with the Lord. There's nothing stopping you. There's not a bondage that would stop you and me from being everything in Christ that He's called me to be and fulfilling everything He's called me to be in my life. It's, it's exciting, isn't it? You know, you go to graduations, and we went to one yesterday. Uh, you go to graduations, and often you hear the same theme from the speeches, whether it's high school or college. Uh, if you can dream it, you can be it. And the sky's the limit. And there's no barriers and boundaries now. You, you graduates now just take off and take the world. But I don't, that's not totally true just in a natural sense. There's lots of limits that people have in a lot of different areas in their lives. But in Christ, that's, that is true. That statement is true. I would say in the Lord, to the young people here or to anybody here, or maybe you've reached a certain age you think your usefulness for God is over. I probably did all the big things for God I'm going to do in my life. Well, what if He's just getting started with your life? What if you're just about to hit like Moses at 80 years old going to lead the children of Israel out? You understand what I'm saying? 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years um, bringing them out and through the wilderness. You just don't know. All I'm saying is that there's the, the way you're going to experience that is the real liberty. There's nothing stopping that from taking place other than you or me, our unbelief, our sinfulness, our waywardness from Christ. And we want to walk in that liberty and grow in the Lord. Amen. Uh, now, I want to, I'm just going to kind of bring this to a close that we're talking about the liberty that the Lord gives and a man that's bound in sin. Talk about a lost man uh, can or will probably typically think that they're free. 
I'm talking about a sophisticated person in our society that is put religion. They're, they're free from the superstition of religion. That's what they would think about us, educated people. Uh, they're free from, uh, you know, uh, having an answer to anybody and all these ancient religion kind of things. And they just basically think that they're so free. They can live however they want. They can indulge in whatever they want. And just basically with no consequences. I can just, that's what we're seeing with the transgender stuff, with the homosexual, with everything, everybody's coming out of the closet and everything's this and everything's that. No limits. And, uh, but it's, there's a deceitfulness there. It's very untrue, okay? It's very untrue. They're believed a lot. And professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. And they're, they're so free. They would think that we're bound to superstition and religion and uh, things that have been proven to be false now and we're just clinging to some old-timey religion that has no usefulness today and that they, on the other hand, are very free. Well, the Bible speaks of the deceitfulness of sin. So that right there tells me, I see it now, I get it. They, they think they're free, but they're really not. Guess what they are? They're bound to sin. They're bound up in it. They're all intertwined with it. They can in no wise lift themselves up. Remember the lady we read about at the beginning? 18 years in infirmity and can no way could she straighten up. She wanted to. She might have had people pry on, pull on her. Ten strong men trying to straighten her back out. She could in no wise lift herself up. The Bible said. That's a man bound in sin. They're deceived to thinking they're so free we're not bound to anybody. We're free, we're free. And it's a lie uh, of the devil because there's a deceitfulness of sin. And with that deceitfulness of sin comes a pride of life to think we are, we're in control. The sinner thinks he's in control. He's in control of his own life. He's in control of society, how he wants his world to be. And he just paints it how he wants to be. There's no limits. There's no restraints. There's no moral constraints because I can do whatever I want. It's a lie. The wages of sin is death. So that's a lie. Okay? You're not just going to float on off in any way you choose without consequences. It's a law. And the, the Bible says that uh, Jesus, uh, was when He was speaking to, the, to the, uh, the Jews, it says they answered Him and said, We be Abraham's seed, seed and we're never in bondage to any man. This is what the Jew, when Jesus is saying, I'll make you free. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. They said, <clears throat> we're Abraham's seed. Well, that's true. And we're never in bondage to any man. That's not true. Abraham's seed was in bondage to men in Egypt for over 400 years. In Babylon, in you know, different captivities in their, in their lives. Uh, how sayest they, they said, that thou, you should be made free. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So I need to hear the word of God on the, this subject. And he says, I don't care how wise this or intelligent this sinner is out here who thinks that they're free and so liberated, the Bible says whoever committed sin is a slave or a servant of sin. And then uh, Peter says this, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Man is overcome. That man with the demons, the legion of demons, he was overcome by them and brought under bondage. He could not be helped other than Jesus. 
could not. It was in the power on earth. Nothing that could ever help that man. He got overcome by it, and he was brought into to slavery, to bondage to it. Same for every sinner that's in the world. I'm not saying that everybody, every sinner is demon possessed. But they're over, if they're overcome by our sin and think that they're so free, um, there's just deceitfulness there. They cannot help themselves out of it. The woman could not straighten herself up. The demon possessed man could not rebuke the legions from his life by his own authority, and they would heed him and go. Uh, it's, it's only through the Lord. And, and we're living, y'all, and this is the way that, that life is. I'm bringing this to a close, but we don't have the power to deliver ourselves. He wants us to trust in Him. Testimonies. You've heard people say Christianity is just a crutch for people that you know, can't help themselves. When nobody can help themselves. And that person who's making that mocking statement, maybe tomorrow they're going to need a crutch. You understand what I'm saying? They don't get it. They don't understand. They're deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We didn't have the strength to straighten up our lives. Just straighten up and fly right. Well, I want to. You know, I can't. Just straighten up and fly right. Well, we need a Savior. We need a Deliverer. We need a Helper. The Lord can set men free. And I'm going to close with this thought. We must see that. Okay, as the church, we must see our God can still set people free. And they need to hear that Gospel message from us. They need to hear the the Word of God from us. And you know what else the world needs? The world needs to see live and breathe in testimonies of people that have been set free. If I get saved and I'm really born again, but I take my light and hide it under a bushel, which we're told not to do, right? Um, and I just blend in with the rest of the people I'm around. And I'm going to close with this thought. Then they're not, I can tell them when the mood strikes me or I get moved with compassion for my lost friend and I want to tell them about Jesus because I don't want them to go to hell. But if for all these years in the past they've known me and I didn't show forth the praises of Him, who called me out of darkness into His marvelous light. They didn't see in me the testimony or the reality of a delivered life. The power of Christ's deliverance where all glory goes to God. Then it's not going to, at least my testimony is not going to have much of an effect on them. And so people need to hear the Gospel about this, you know, you tell your friend, maybe they're an alcoholic. You know, Christ can set you free. That's true. And you share the gospel with them when we need to. Absolutely. Jesus can set you free. But they need to see in your life a reality of what Christ has done to you. It might not be alcohol, but it might have been something else. And you say, I would be right where you are today had not the Lord done such and such for me. Or I was well on my way to be in there. The Lord spared me before I got that far. Whatever it may be. And so we're able to testify. And they need to see that reality. Not only hear about it through the Gospel, but to see that liberty. Hey, I'm a reality of a life that's changed. I'm the reality of the power of Jesus to set people free. And sometimes people people that didn't know Sherry, for example, um, uh, before may have never known that testimony. Because you look at her life and you think, she's just a little... 
good little girl that grew up in, and everything was just perfect in her life. You'd be surprised at some people's testimonies, what the Lord brought them from. And they're not still dwelling on it and they're not still acting like it anymore. They're new in Christ. And you hear their testimony and your eyes get that big and you're, are you kidding me? That's what you were involved in? Yes, I was. And the Lord set me free. People would be amazed, I think, if we all knew everybody else's testimony. But you don't glorify the sin. We glorify the Lord who brought us out of that. And I just thank you. Thank the Lord for that. I'm going to close with a couple of scriptures. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke chapter 4, 18. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Listen, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And so uh, <clears throat> the Lord had that call upon his life as the savior of the world. But the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, as he is, so are we in this world. I'm not the savior of the world and neither are you, but I have the same calling in the sense of testifying of his power to save and pointing men to Jesus and pointing men uh, to salvation and, and deliverance. And so we have to live this thing. We have to walk it out. Such were some of you, Paul says. Don't be deceived. The unrighteous are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. The adulterers, the drunkards, the, the mockers, the revelers, the idolaters. <clears throat> but you're changed and you're washed and you're sanctified and you're justified. And it says in Romans 6, but now being made free from sin. Is that liberty, right? Now being made free from sin and become servants unto God. That's the equal yoking with the Lord. It doesn't set us free to leave us. It's, as I said, we're set free. The next breath needs to be, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. I was in sin. Now I'm with Christ. I'm going to stay with Christ from now on. Through this life, all through eternity. It's going to be wonderful. Okay? But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And so as we're testifying, y'all, and D, you can come. Um, as we're testifying the gospel, which you have to, because it's the power of God and the salvation to our lost people that we're ministering to. <clears throat> this world, and I'll say the church world as well, needs to see the reality of the power of the Lord. Not in a story about Naaman the leper or a woman who was bowed over for 18 years with an infirmity or a demon-possessed man in tombs. They need to see in Damien's life, in my life, in Peter's life, they need to see the reality. He's setting me free. And this is real. This is not a story. It's not a fairy tale. This is not Jack and the Beanstalk. This is the God who's still doing these things today. And I, I love this scripture. It has to do with the gifts of the Spirit. But it says, and so speaking about lost men watching you, it says, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. When you want people to do that, to say they don't even know the Lord. But they look at Chris Hudson and they said, man, you have a truth. The Lord is in you. This is real. I really see him in your life. So they've heard the gospel maybe 20 times in their life and we could give it to them 21 and we should. But for them to say of a truth, he really is in you. I knew you went. I've seen what the Lord's done in your life. I didn't know it was the Lord, but you just told me it was the Lord that did this. And so uh, it's just an awesome thing. The Lord sets us free. And I'm going to close with this scripture. You can, you can begin to play. But uh, 
when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, I talked about the lame man that was healed, right? And they're brought before the Sadducees and the council, threatened not to preach in his name anymore. But it says this, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of one that they had, they had been with Jesus. Okay, they noticed these two men have been with Jesus. We do know that about them. But also it says, beholding the man which was healed. So it's like they had their little prize with them. It was a lame man that this council that was rebuking them, they passed them every day too. They knew the lame man. He, was, he had to be carried every day and laid out there. Everybody that went in and out of the temple saw him. He would beg. Maybe they'd give him something. Maybe they wouldn't. But he had spent his whole life that way. But it says, they took knowledge, first of all, that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Second of all, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. And I think our lives ought to be such that we can proclaim the truth, and we should, of the Word of God. But our life is such a testimony that they look at us and scratch their heads and they can say nothing against it. Because my friends in high school knew me when. And my life is different now. And I didn't just straighten up and fly right. I got saved. I got born again. The Lord set me free. And they can behold that life now and say, man, there really must be something to this. They couldn't argue with Jesus Christ and His power to heal because the lame man was healed and standing with God's two men, Peter and John. And I want to live a life to where that, that shows forth the praises of God, His power to heal and deliver. We can preach that all day long, and we should. We need to believe it. We need to walk in the reality of that. Yoke together with Jesus. Amen? And people will report the truth that the Lord is in us. So, Father, we just come before You. In Jesus' name, God. And Lord, I thank You that we don't just read accounts in the Bible as though it's a history book. Lord, that You are still this powerful, almighty God today. You still are saving sinners. You're still setting the sinner free. You're still healing those that are bowed over and are crippled or those that are in wheelchairs. You're still setting people free that have been demon-possessed or are demon-possessed. Lord, we don't see it maybe as much as because we don't believe it or proclaim it or live it publicly, but You're not limited by anything other than our unbelief. You're still the same God. And I believe You long to show forth that power to be the deliverer. I pray You would show it through my life. I'm the first to, to need this sermon and say, God, do it through my life. You've done it for me. Would You show forth those praises through me? And use me like You used Peter and John. Help us, Lord. These altars are open. Let's just come and worship Him for a few minutes before we go.